Hi guys, so this is Emily and uh, today I have my friend Gurinder with me and uh, this is absolutely the first episode I'm actually going to record with someone so don't know where this is going to go. Um, as I said just moments before our first record was I just want to have a conversation and see how long we can go for yeah. and then <laughs> just see and actually spin off, spin off each other and have a conversation and it's not actually about being right or wrong it's about yeah. just discussing your your map of the world and see mm -hmm. if there is commonalities and maybe differentiations that goes like oh I actually never thought about it that way thank you for expanding my world um yeah, so yeah. welcome to the podcast yeah thank you very much thank you for having me as your inaugural guest that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> you are my experiment number one <laughs> um, i am the guinea pig <laughs> yeah literally um that's can cool. you because because i will probably because i will be hopefully on this podcast many many times i think that the listeners will get to know me throughout their listenings but i also would love to maybe get the people to know you as well or the people that i bring on so without having anything prepared, um, mm. who would you say that Gurinder is? Oh, who would I say that I am? That's a, that's a loaded question, right? Because it's like, where do we even begin? How do I but, feel today? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, who would I say that I am? I guess, um, um, yeah, I'm a dude. I'm born and raised, um, like some basically second generation um, immigrant. So my parents came to this country from India. I grew up in West London, very stable, thankfully, really lucky to have a very, very stable household, very stable family, very loving family as well. And, um, and stable to the extent that the house I was born in, I'm basically, I'm, yeah, I, I lived there my whole life, like my parents are still there. So, um, and uh, yeah, like, that's been a fantastic bedrock for me as well. I've always like felt super supported. So um, I realized that yeah, I don't know, like growing up, going through education and stuff like that, and just kind of like following, I followed a pretty standard track of go to university, get educated, got an economics degree, but I just did it because I felt like I was supposed to do it. So I ended up being somebody who um, kind of had a, a bit of an awakening, a quarter life crisis, I call it, when I was 25, and just started thinking, actually, what do I really want to do with myself? And um, yeah, I started realizing that the track I'd been on was not the one that was going to fulfill me. So I changed it up and um, got into health and fitness. And this is, you know, ultimately how we ended up meeting each other as well. So, um, yeah, so it's been so it's been an awesome journey like that. So I suppose you could say that um, I've, uh, yeah, I've, like I've changed careers, essentially. And um, a lot of people who go through that tend to find that a really tricky thing to go through. Maybe I was a little bit oblivious to that because I was just like so hell bent on coming down the track that I wanted to come down that um, it wasn't like it was, a, it wasn't like it was like how people said it was like, you know, you, you, you're brave for doing this or, you know, that's a big change. And for me, it was like, no, I'm just following what's interesting to me. And so when I decided to, you know, wake up and go down that track, I realized that uh, the kind of things that I liked um, had a lot to do with being a human being. And so, um, so you could describe me as somebody who's uh, like got a voracious appetite for exploring human behavior and essentially what it is to be a human being. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think that's one thing we can try and do is try and learn as much as we can about ourselves so that we can 
enjoy ourselves to the fullest while we're here. Yeah, I love that. You know, I was thinking about it as you were speaking, actually. I think you and I, have, well, we've never met face to face. Yeah, right? exactly. Not yet, right? And I think we've only met, as in virtually met, mm-hmm. four or five times. I think maybe this yeah. is like the yeah, fifth time. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say um, like the first time was, you know, yeah, through Umar. We came, your ex-colleague, you came on our podcast. And then, yeah, we've had a few conversations since then. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this will be interesting because I think there's obviously we have so much more to to know about each other and get to know mm. each other. So uh, I'm like, I'm a little bit excited. But also one thing that you said, which I resonated really a lot with was how you decided to follow your what your interests. Mm. And I think one of my, I would say it's, it's a superpower in a way. Maybe it's na- being naive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one yeah. of the two. I choose it to be. A well, let's find out. Yeah, exactly. Is that I always, as you can say, like followed my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted something on Instagram yesterday, obviously, uh, me turning 32. 32 things about me that right. people probably didn't know. And a mm-hmm. lot of it. I missed that. I'll have to check yeah, it out. Yeah, you have to go back and, and really get yeah. to know the, the, the good and the bad, right? But mm-hmm. I just, I, when I was writing it, I realized, you know, how I've always. I've come, I've just been to so many places and like I, as I was going down the law path back in the day and then I realized that I wanted to be a musician. <laughs> so, you know, I, it, it just turned out to be that way and I didn't end up being a musician that works as a musician and I mm-hmm. ended up being a PT because that's where my heart took me. Um, mm-hmm. But I really resonate with that, like follow your interests mm-hmm. and, and work hard, obviously. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. in life comes without some hard work but uh, I don't know what it feels like to have a <laughs> a, a midlife crisis or a 25 year old crisis mm. in that sense because I feel like mm. I always I just always kind of stood true to my interest in what mm. I felt like maybe nice. sometimes I don't know if it would be naive but, but yeah I'm here today and I'm still standing so um, <laughs> I just genuinely believe everything is perfect and I look back at my spending a, a whole degree uh, bachelor in music a lot of money uh, mm. I really feel strongly that that was an important part of my life and I don't regret mm. having a bachelor in music when I could have had a bachelor in whatever um, mm. and I do think that you can pull on all the information and learnings that you get from something to other areas as well right and I, I think it's again it's just like building character and stuff um, yeah absolutely yeah yeah I'd back that up I'd say so because at the end of the day, it's like it's all yeah. It's like it's part of the it's part of the journey. It's like you had to go through it, you know. It's like uh, it was just kind of yeah. In that so-called like it, it could be a bit of a deterministic way, but it was, it was always going to be that way. It's like if mm. it was any other way, then you know who knows what's going on. But because um, sometimes like especially like having like I guess a re- for me when I call it like the awakening and core life crisis is like I really started to think about what it means to be alive right and like what do I actually want to do with myself and um and just and just kind of yet forming the forming an idea of myself as well like um an ideal of myself and uh, that's progressed 
and that's got um i've got better at doing that as i've got older but especially over the last few years it's kind of like really accelerated because you know it just more experience as well and better learnings and and what i uh, and so in the earlier days, it was kind of like, man, why the hell did it take me so long to figure this out? You know, like, why couldn't I? Because, or rather, I, I think I always knew, like, uh, when I was younger, I always knew I had an interest in, like, you know, for example, like the choices that I made at A-levels, doing those four subjects, I was like, ah, probably, I know that I should have chosen something else, which is more aligned with me. But I just thought, no, I need to do this to be on this track. Yeah. And um, Can I interrupt you? Hmm. You feel like that's because of your way like where you come from like your culture there's like a there's, pressure. maybe you're like I don't obviously I don't know your parents but I know it's like a generalization and yeah. in the Asian culture it's kind of like mm-hmm. you have like a five different professions you should be and if yeah it, I don't know yeah, yeah, did yeah. you ever feel that kind of pressure and why you made those choices early or so it's, it's interesting. I'm going to dis- distinguish that because for me, it felt like a duty and like it wasn't really pressure. So and that was something that I figured out later on as well. Um, again, like looking back, you know, with hindsight, with a bit more um, being able to reflect better, um, because like I mentioned earlier, like my parents are super supportive people. Right. I'm like it's it's crazy to think that, you know, one of their sons makes cakes for a living and the other son is a personal trainer because everybody looks at us and like, what the hell is going on in this family? Right. But um but ultimately, the older we get, we kind of get the feeling that, you know, we've got it together a little bit more in terms of overall perspective on life rather than it's just um, if you didn't make it as a doctor or a lawyer or accountant or as a dentist or something that you, you just you're a fuck up. It's like that that doesn't uh, that doesn't sit with our family. So um, so like, you know, they're super supportive people. So I kind of felt like. Um, I didn't realize at the time, but I felt like it was a duty to go get an education because like my dad doesn't have an education like uh, uh, beyond like year eight equivalent, basically. And um, my mom trained to be a nurse in um, in India, but um, but they were like, we want our kids to be educated. We need that to happen. And that's obviously that's a great thing. That's a great thing overall, like take advantage of um, the education that's on offer to you and try and do something with it. And um, but I just ended up choosing to fulfill a duty that I didn't have to because when I made the change my parents were like yeah okay cool (laughs) you know go do your thing it's like they wanted reassurances that I knew what I was doing but they were like yeah that's fine just go do your thing and just do it well that was the key thing and I was like why the hell didn't I figure that out like 10 years ago you know when I was like 15 or something because then that would have made life a lot easier but getting more mature and just realizing that actually that's not the way to look at it it just it all happened so you can get to this point so I can appreciate where I'm at right now because since I've made that decision to quit at the end of 2010 finally get into a quick corporate job in 2010 finally get into the fitness industry in 2012 so that whole 11 year period basically I haven't regretted a moment of it whereas if I was still working during this period as in corporate I'd just be I'd, I'd just be frustrated I know it's like it would just not be satisfying at all so there's uh, there's a level of appreciation there which means that when I look back I'm like yeah actually I don't regret a single moment of what's happened over the last 10 11 years which which is an amazing thing is um don't want to take that for granted no no I agree Mm -hmm. I agree um so what happened when did you like actually when you made the cuts from your corporate life was there a defining moment where you said fuck this I've had enough or was it like 
a very long lingering thing and you're trying to pull off the plaster slowly and then all of a sudden yeah. you realize it's going to be painful regardless i'm just going to cut mm. the cord like what was the moment where you decided okay no i need to have that because you know part of what i want to talk about is like that vulnerability you know because there mm. whenever we want to create change there's a there's a brief moment of vulnerability right because we have to step into the unknown so mm -hmm. do you remember if there was a, like a defining moment and how you felt yeah it was like um so is, is it a slight combination of the two at first it was like so like say at the about the beginning of 2010 is when i was like i'm starting to wake up with some anxiety right it's like i can feel like there's a hole in my stomach and i'm like what the hell is going on i've never experienced this before and i started delving into that i was like what does this relate to? What could it possibly mean? And then I started figuring out, I was like, I'm not doing what I actually want to do. And I don't know what that is yet. So, you know, then I started thinking, okay, well, every time it gets to about 12, 12, 30. So basically between the hours of 12 and two, whenever we can take our lunch, I'm kind of waiting for it to hit like 12, 30. So I can just get the fuck out, quickly go to the gym and then come back again. And then I would be looking forward to, at the time I was like, you know, trying to do the whole six meals a day, eight meals a day kind of thing. So it was like, all right, I can't wait till it gets to 2.30 so I can, you know, eat the sandwich that I made. And I can't wait till it gets to the hour before I leave work so I can go and get that snack that I made, whatever. So I was always looking forward to something else apart from being present at work. And, um, and then, so when I realized, hey, I actually really like this thing. I'm always thinking about wellness. I'm always thinking about health. Um, I'm always thinking about how to try and stay in shape. Like, why don't I, why not try and make something of that? And then I thought, then my friend asked me a really, really good question. He was like, okay, so do you think you could teach it to other people? Because that's essentially what you'd be doing. And um, I just kind of said, yeah. I was like, actually, that's a good way of looking at it because that's what it is. It's not just, you know, you get to do exercise all day long. And, um, and yeah, so when I realized, okay, that's what I want to do, I sat with that for about six months. So it got to December, end of 2010, where I mustered up the courage to hand in my resignation. I remember the moment, like you talk about vulnerability, I remember the moment I was walking up to my director's office and I was going to give him the resignation. I almost went, uh, no, I think I'm going to turn back around. <laughs> so I got to the door and I just literally wanted to turn back around. I was like, no, no. And then uh, you know, later on, like you learn that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here, take this. It's like later on, you learn that, you know, your moment of greatest courage is right at the moment of greatest fear. So it's like, you know, walk through that door, talk to him, hand him the resignation and just say, look, hey, you know, it's been great, but I realize I need to do something else with myself. And you know, they were cool about it as well. Mm -hmm. I think, um, um, yeah. And so it was, it was a bit of both in that sense. It was like long, slow burn. And then when it happened, it was like, oh, it's happening now. And I did that before I even told my parents as well. So I was like, I just can't have anything like, even though it, obviously it didn't interfere with the decision in the end, because they were like, okay, yeah, you do your thing. Um, and uh, cause it was kind of like, I sold it to him. I was like, Hey guys, I want to change. And I'm really hell bent on doing this. And uh, my mom and my dad are kind of like, my dad's asking me questions. He's very philosophical. My mom's kind of looking at me. He's like, is he going to be secure? Is he going to be safe? Is he going to have regular income? All that kind of stuff, you know, just regular things to be worrying about. And, uh, you know, again, totally, totally legit worries. Um, but then when they were cool with it, I was like, yeah, okay, good. Cause I've already done it. <laughs> I've, already, I've already resigned. Cause I just felt like I just didn't want anything to interfere with that decision. And um, uh, yeah, so it was a fun little, uh, that was a fun little conversation uh, and um, yeah so it was kind of like that combination as well of just like long slow burn and when it happened it, it happened it took off pretty quickly yeah 
I think, yeah, when I became a PT, do you know how I did? I tell you the story of me becoming, yeah, I think I told you. No, I just I know that the, you were, I just know that you like, you wanted to be a singer and then that didn't happen. Hmm. And then you're a trainer. I don't know the in-between. Yeah, so I, uh, I studied for three years. Um, didn't take a loan so I was always working um, and towards the end of the third year I was really learning, running low on money um, and I remember because I didn't want to go back to Sweden I, I had gone back every holiday for three years because you earn so much more money in Sweden so there's a lot more to save so I would go mm. home and work ridiculous hours and then study and I would have like one or two jobs in London I was like a cleaner and a waitress and then like right. I did all I did all the dirty jobs I would take them um, oh, so you were training to be you're training music here in London yeah that's why I moved to London okay, right. yeah yeah uh, and, you know, when I, because I studied law straight off our A-levels, we could sorry, call it like mm. year, year nine. Um, so I start, I took a, a course in law um, and then I fell in love. So I, I moved to Hollywood for a brief moment and realized that because I was only hanging out with musicians that, as, with that, at that point. And I realized mm. that you could do the thing you love, <laughs> yeah. which... I think was ridiculous in my head because I was very logical and it was kind of like you get a degree even though none of my parents have like a really high degree I think it was only like my granddad who had a, like a degree and it was really smart and clever um, mm. and I think when I just I remember coming coming back and I said I'm, I'm gonna move to London and be um, and study music and they're like no you're not I'm like yeah, I got in <laughs> I got in um, and I think you know they were supportive but I think also like dyslexia runs in my family <laughs> so I think that they felt like at the time because my younger brother actually he's a he has a master in a master's in, in economy uh but he didn't have that at the time so they thought she's our safeguard like she she's gonna do the law and like take it like a serious job but <laughs> so they were a bit like <laughs> disappointed when I said no I'm gonna be a hippie and live in London and uh, <laughs> follow my heart you know uh, but I think they were supportive eventually and uh, mm. yeah but then came to the, the third year and I was running really low on money and I was, I was like, I don't want to be a waitress. I hate being nice to people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I used to work in, in Fennec. Yeah. They had a restaurant up there and it was mm. really rich yeah, okay. people and they were all like snobby and just wanted, you okay. know, uh, it was horrendous. Yeah. And I was also like, a lot younger. being nice to people who don't deserve it, basically. <laughs> yeah, I was just also a lot younger and uh, a little bit more feisty, I would say, you know, mm. and... Yeah, I think when you're around really rich people, that doesn't really, <laughs> it doesn't give you a lot of tip if we put it that way. Um, so I was genuinely, there because I went to the gym, right? And I, I, I started loving training more than I started doing all of my assignments. So at the end mm. of third year, I was probably training three hours a day, trying to mm. not do my assignments. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, still loved it like I loved being yeah. I didn't love sitting home and doing you know writing four-part harmonies and stuff like that so I just yeah. went to the gym right um, yeah. and you know, that's funny because that makes me think of uh, you know how Breed says like procrastination is bad it's like no in this case it changed your life <laughs> it's <was> productive <laughs> yeah. and you know I really fell in love with it and, and, and if we're going back many years prior I was actually a dancer and a dance teacher so teaching has been something that I've done. 
Um, and at some point there was a guy, a really good personal trainer in the gym I was training. He asked me, are you in the industry? And that's when it clicked to me, like, mm. you can actually do this for a living. I could actually earn money doing the thing I love, yeah. teaching people. And the fact that a guy who I really respect in the gym says that I, or I like actually consider whether I was actually in the industry. I was like, maybe I am not, maybe I could do this. You know, it was that, mm -hmm. it was that moment, like, but how could I, you know, I've only trained for a few years, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. All of these, like why you shouldn't go for it. Um, but to revert back prior, I had actually had two options and I actually prepared for option number one, which was to become a stripper. Um, really? So I bought a dress and shoes and I, I, I contacted the strip club <laughs> and it was very yeah, convenient because it was in my local area. So I could have literally like <laughs> rocked up to the... <laughs> And see a bunch of your friends as well. You're like, oh crap. <laughs> in the end, I uh, decided to spend the last of my money on to get my personal training diploma, and mm. the rest is kind of history. Nice. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it was a really nice dress as well. But it was, you know, so, like being a stripper is still on the back burner. Is like just in case. <laughs> I mean. I think strippers can earn a really decent amount of money if you're in a nice club. Yep. I'm, I'm just saying, uh, I did my research, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you but then I actually a, went to a strip club a in London. I was like, anymore. this is not where I want to end up, you know, outside yeah. towns. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> that's not me. That's um, yeah. So I did my research anyway, and I did contact them now. Yeah. You, and they told me everything about it. And you can just come and talk to the girls. And they were super nice. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. 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 And then in the end, you know, I was kind of prude at the time as well. Like, how am I going to show my naked body? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad it didn't happen. Or maybe that would have also, I don't know. We just don't know. We don't know where we would have been if we made different life choices. But um, yeah, yeah. I I'm really glad I chose option number two in the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Invested in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And fast forward, it's been, it's been a, a long time. A long, long time. Mm. Did yeah. it was like so the way you approach um, dealing with clients, seeing clients, the kind of training and coaching that you offer. Did you kind of always see it being this way, or is it just evolved into this and it's quite different to what it was in the beginning? I think it's evolved so much. Uh, yeah. I've I've evolved so much. Um, like I think I was always a reasonable reasonably nice person and like quite old for my age I was always I think I had a good moral compass when I was really young and I I, I grew up in like a, a rougher neighborhood here in Stockholm so uh, you know I, I hung out with some not so cool kids um, but oh, yeah nice yeah I mean that would be a whole different podcast but um, <laughs> and really I think when I started training, it was just training, you know, get people to just train hard. Mm. And that was it. I didn't really, the beast. I didn't necessarily have, I didn't have the mindset I have today. I, I didn't have the expertise I have today, obviously, but yeah, at that point it was just training. I wasn't really interested in nutrition. I mean, my diet at that point was the most horrendous. I mean, I would literally <laughs> I never really cooked I could like cook one dish I would probably go to Subway for dinner because I couldn't be bothered and mm -hmm. on my way home from Tesco I would have always had a four-pack Snickers and eat all of them in a row like that was me 
Like I was the that's dessert. Yeah. <laughs> dessert taking care and of. I would always have the mindset, <laughs> yeah, I buy four packs it's cheap and I have it for four days. And I just never, I'd finish them every time. So I, like it was proven so many times that I just couldn't. Exactly. And it's still to this day, it, it applies. Like I can't buy more. Yeah, 100%. I can't, like, I don't trust myself. I really don't. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's uh, it's practically impossible. It's like, you know, out of sight, out of mind. That really freaking works, you know? It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's always the way. It's like, if it's there, you're going to eat it. It's just going to yeah. have it. So, yeah, that's funny. It happens, yeah. Like, it happens to us now as well. It's just there's a bag and there's, like, you know, the packet of, like, kettle chips or something, a like 150-gram pack. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll just take a few. <laughs> Three minutes later, 150 grams later, you're like, ah. Oh. That was yeah. so good, but why did I just do that to myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my my uh, relationship to a sugar has definitely been a journey, and still mm. today, like I I love sugar, and I think everyone mm. loves sugar. Mm. Yeah. But I I I, mean, I ate so much sugar since I became a teenager. When I started to earn some money myself, I got my first job when I was sixteen, um, and maybe even a little bit before that when I when you started to get like pocket money I didn't get I didn't get pocket money until quite late compared to all my friends uh, mm. but it all went for sugar like sugar 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 um, yeah but we were really good because my mom only allowed us to have uh, sweets on a Saturday um, so we actually only had maybe I was just so deprived that you know hell break loose when when you have a yeah. little bit of freedom um, binge yeah. day but I think over, over the years, obviously, like the more educated you are, uh, the more you start caring about health. Mm. I, I really think, you know, ignorance is bliss in that way, because yeah. if, you, if, you, if you, when you start to know all of these things and how it affects you and then seeing other people are affected by, I, I don't know if you, if you can still make those choices. Uh, mm. I don't like, I still eat sugar, mm. but it's just not in those hideous amounts. Um, yeah yeah but i probably eat sugar every day actually we still have loads of easter eggs it's not in picture here but it's it's like a whole thing over there which i'd like definitely go and have a couple every yeah. day <laughs> well at least that's a little bit more managed it's like you're proving to yourself like you can can be a little bit disciplined like don't have to eat more than once yeah but um yeah that's uh yeah for sure yeah sugar's amazing like, what can i say <laughs> it's it's just uh easy to yeah easy to consume a ton of it and have that's a problem so yeah that's an interesting thing you say there which is like once you know like how can you how can you do that you know how can you do that to yourself mm. is um yeah but there's i think there's still i don't know tell me what you think of this because i feel like it's pretty i think it's actually pretty intuitive to know how to be healthy right because if you ask someone they will give you like the basics right it's like, okay, I need to eat a bit less and I need to move a bit more, like super generalized, but it's like, yeah, okay, that's just, that's essentially what it takes. Cause even if your diet is shocking, you can still become healthier by essentially not eating in a calorie surplus. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, you know, you start to, you start to you know, use your body in whatever way that might be. It could literally be like, you know, if, if you're really struggling for movement, it could just be getting up and sitting down out of a chair, like constantly, instead of just 
being sat down all day long if that's what's going on with that person. So I feel like it's kind of intuitive. So we do know it's like, okay, I need to stop eating much as much of this stuff and I need to have some vegetables or um, I need to move a little bit more. But um, so in that sense, there is the knowledge with everyone when they really like, you know, if they just take a moment, pause and think about it, but the application isn't there, right? Mm -hmm. So there's clearly a disconnect between knowing something and actually applying it. So what in your view, what have you seen is that, is that difference? I mean, I think there's another layer to that. There's yeah. something, there's one thing to know but then if we're looking at suppression of emotions, right? Right. I mean, I, the moment I recognized that I had like an emotional eating issue, it was like the light bulb just like went poof. And mm. I don't know, light bulbs doesn't go poof, but they go. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see it so clearly how it just. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah we just like, com 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 like conflated a couple of analogies, but yeah, yeah. yeah. You and light bulb went poof and then light, the light yeah and I could see it you know and it was kind of like it became this thing in front of my eyes when I saw that whenever I felt an emotion or stressed I wanted chocolate and sweets like it mm. it just became this gestalt in front of me kind of like feed me here's my emotion mm. that you don't want to look at but I'm here in your face now like so are you going to feed that emotion or are you going to actually have that conversation with that emotion? Um, mm. And it was, it was really profound actually. Uh, and I do think that most people's issues to any, what do we call it? Drug, like a, a addiction, any addiction, like it just comes from that. And this is not me, not, I'm not being, I'm not the, the professional when it comes to addiction, but I do think that a lot of addictions comes from suppression of underlying emotional issue that we do not face. Mm. Um, and when I started to acknowledge my emotions, my sugar cravings went away or they were there. And then all of a sudden became like, actually, it's not it's not chocolate I'm craving. I'm craving a, a nicer emotion, mm. um, which mm. was the beginning of a healing process, right? Because then you go like, yeah. well, then you have, then you have probably have that crisis. Like, but who am I? <laughs> what is my life yeah. about? And then yeah, yeah. you get this like revelation of, you know, something you, you, it's like you, you found something inside and you go like, what is this? I need to yeah. now explore this side of me. And like, what else yeah. is there to find? And then you go like, holy shit. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to see that. How <laughs> do I put it undone? But once like, you start, shut that door. Shut it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of the road. But I do think when it comes to like issues to food, like it, it's not the people don't know. It's often because they don't want, they, it's so much easier to continue like suppressing it. Maybe we can't, maybe suppression is sometimes not even the right word, but it's like band-aiding or, yeah. um, just procrastinating there's, there's so many words that you can use on it yeah. right um yeah. deflecting and, as well and i really don't think that people have real issues with food they have issues with their emotions hmm. uh, again yeah. well yeah you can boil it down to like yeah you can like get yeah, boiled down to like issues with yourself as mm -hmm. well right because yeah. um yeah i think that's uh, yeah i think that yeah essentially that disconnect comes from having uh, yeah, having the will to apply that knowledge, but that comes from assigning meaning to it, 
Like, what does it actually mean for you to actually make that change? So you can know and, <clears throat> and you could apply it, but you're not applying it. So where's that, um, where's that disconnect? And that disconnect comes from it not, um, yeah, like a myriad of things is like you know, definitely like that suppression of emotions is essentially in the grand, in the, in the broadest scheme of things is like that suppression of the pain of like where you are right now. And also the potentially the, the daunting nature of the effort required to go and get to where you, where you actually want to be. So it's a lot easier to just kind of stay where you are because of familiarity as well. It's, mm. um, even if it's not serving you very well, it's like, you know, on an extreme level, it's like why abusive relationships continue to last for years and years and years is because partly at least is like the, uh, you get, you become familiar with the thing that's not good for you as well. So if you lose it, you're kind of like, wait, I'm losing a big chunk of myself. So there's addressing that. And yeah, it's exactly what you say. You just, you start to address that and then you go, wait, what the hell else is inside there? And then you either embrace it, um, or you just go, nah, don't want no part of that. And you just kind of fall back into, um, yeah, fall back into bad habits or something. But um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there's some interesting stuff there. It's like yeah, with like with clients, like so with yourself is like, okay, you address that emotional part and you're like, wow, there's this whole other world opening up for me. And now that I'm aware of this, I don't feel that craving coming along. I'm, I'm better equipped to deal with, that craving of sugar because I know that that's something else. Um, I've become aware of that. Is um, is there like a spectrum that you've seen as well, like with with clients that you deal with, like how how that kind of manifests? I think there's always going to be a spectrum of things. Mm. Um, yeah, the better question is is like you know what are the those kinds of extremes that you've seen? I mean, some people have real eating disorders, which is a psychological, what, what do we even call it? Disorder. It's a psychological mm -hmm. disorder where they might need extra help, right? They might need help. Like I'm always quick to refer out when I feel like I'm, it's mm -hmm. not my path or sure. I'm not equipped with enough to really make a difference. Um, yeah. I do work with some people alongside myself. Um, I'm building a network of people, you know, where, where I feel like my expertise is no longer the most needed. I will just mm. refer out. I think that's super important. Um, yeah. Not that you have to stay in your lane all the time. Like there is, sometimes I think you can search and dig for solutions and go like, actually, you do need to have some more help or you do need mm. to have this. Uh, but I do think for most people, a lot of people, it's just if you if you can get someone to be a little bit more present, um, stress less, and of course, like looking at recovery, but then also understanding. I really feel sometimes that if someone understands why they get cravings and they can understand like the whole thing about dopamine and they want to get brain chemicals to feel good because right now they're always stressed and they have, they have depleted their levels of dopamine and serotonin. So we know that eating sugar and, and, and fast food is the quickest way to get those hits. Then it kind of makes sense. And then you go like, Oh, so if I then deal with the things that is causing me to have these emotional or, or cravings, 
then I know that it's not about me. I think a lot of people feel like it's about them and it's them failing, it's them being wrong. And it's, but I think, you know, once you can dissociate yourself from what you're experiencing, it's so much easier to look at your problems and go like, okay, this is a problem. It is not me. Um, and from there, we can be a bit more objective in how we look at it and actually then find solutions and go, oh, okay, I'm going to try and address it by this, doing this. I'm going to try and address it by doing this way. Um, mm. But I always come back also to like the whole thing about compassion. You know, mm. we're not meant to be perfect individuals and we are so complex that we are always going to fall and, mm. and we're not always going to do the right thing. And that is okay. And if we can just accept that I'm on this path of trying to change and I, I want to do that because I want to be a better person and I want to feel better, uh, I'm done with the self-destructive ways, mm -hmm. then we can slowly move people to actually seeing me falling that one time. That's what I need because I need to reassure that I'm on the right, I'm on, still on the path. Like I can't always... I think that the issue is as well that people become a little bit complacent and like they just go like, mm. right, I've done really good now for a while. And then they might stop doing the things that they don't really know they're doing. And then they fall one time and they go like, boom. And they mm. just didn't catch themselves. So, yeah. I mean, I have so many people that struggle with it. Mm. Uh, but it's a journey, I think. And it doesn't like, and if you say that you're 40 years old and you listen to this and you have had issues for 40 years, it's not going to just magically disappear one over one night just because you had an aha moment. It's like, cool, I have to always deal with my emotion. I have to always be open to feel all of those emotions. Because if I try to not feel those emotions, what I'm trying to do and become, it's never going to work out fully because mm -hmm. it's only going to work out to the capacity that you're trying to be open to, I don't know, like everything. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, I personally, I try to live in all of my emotions. I try to be always very honest with how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, I mostly feel good, but I think it's because I'm very open to feel really shit as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think people, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I feel and again like me saying people it's a very generalized way of saying it but yes. um it's like people think that it's bad to feel bad yeah it's, yeah it's like you shouldn't feel bad right like yeah and I always say but if you didn't feel bad you wouldn't be able to feel good it's like you get only you get two spectrums and if you if you want to be in the middle and never feel hyped about anything if you want to feel excited and you don't then you're going to feel just like a little bit excited but not too much because i'm not willing to feel a little bit sad because i don't want to feel a lot of sadness so mm. i kind of say like because i'm very dynamic in my emotions <laughs> like when when things go bad i cry and it's you know like when the dog died a couple of weeks ago it was mm. it was the end of the world you know yeah uh it was so hard and it was the most horrendous feelings, right? But I really think that when we can feel those things, we feel very alive. So when we allow us to feel mm -hmm. emotions, we feel very loud, alive. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just going on, on, on like a little tangent here. But yeah, how are you with your emotions? I know men are t typically, again, generalization here, a mm -hmm. little bit worse in expressing emotions. 
maybe, mm. or at least maybe publicly express, expressing emotions. Mm. How do you, you, where do you fall on this spectrum of being like me and like having everything off my sleeve to being the most stone-faced person? Like, where would you find yourself? I can, I can do both. <laughs> it's like, I can get pretty hyped or, um, I mean, I've even had somebody say to me, it's like, okay, I'm just looking at you. I don't know what the hell you're thinking. Like what's going on with you? It's like, when we're having this conversation. It's supposed to be something, something is supposed to be triggered. And like, I don't know what's going on. It's like, I don't know. I've just got a good handle on, uh, <laughs> good handle on what's going on, um, externally, um, uh, compared to what's happening internally. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I like the, the, the concept of emotional granularity, um, which is um, propagated by a neuroscientist called Lisa Feldman Barrett. And she's like also a psychologist. She's like wrote this great book called How Emotions Are Made. I still haven't and, read it. Uh, yeah, I, check I it out. I have it. I, I've read it since we last spoke. It's in my bookshelf. I bought yeah, so okay. many books. Yeah. Uh, I just haven't read lately, but yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, like read it and then we should have a conversation about it as well because mm -hmm. I think there's there's things that you can go through with that and there's a lot to learn by talking about it because for some people it can be because the way she talks about like what we know about emotions and things like that can be kind of can be a bit earth shattering for some people and um and it's just so it's just good good to talk about it to get your head around it mm -hmm. um but um, but yeah excellent book for anybody who wants to listen i think it's um, it's really interesting to help like understand essentially how emotions come about uh, in to a degree and then um because you understand that is doing what understanding what to do with it but um but yeah i've always worked on awareness basically i've always worked on you know what's actually going on with me and why is it that i feel a specific way in a specific situation um what is how is that serving me so i've built up that granularity over time and um actually well that's a bit trickier because you know you can ask someone is like a lot of people actually don't really know the difference between like you know it's cr sounds crazy but like being depressed and being anxious so you can't differentiate and um and so by developing a better labeling system or a better language around how it is you're able to better understand essentially who you are and what you're actually responding to what you're actually feeling um it's yeah it's it, like so for me it's again it kind of been it's always grounded in awareness it has to be it's like anything that we do is kind of grounded in awareness so I've learned that over a period of time is like, okay if I look back and there's certain behaviors that haven't served me very well or you know I've repeatedly fall back on certain behaviors like why the hell is that like what's going on there and uh, it could be because I'm feeling a certain kind of way and it could be because I'm not doing a certain kind of um uh, behavior which actually is like an anchoring behavior which um, uh, which affects other areas of my life as well so to give an example of that is um, you know we can look at physical training for example so any kind of physical training I'm talking like it could be something small like just doing some mobility work or like a big beast session if you want to go there if I'm doing stuff like that it's kind of it's it's just anchoring is like you know it helps to get out of your head to, to get into your body, to get out of your head. And it also actually helps you regulate emotions better. It helps you understand yourself better as well. It's like the, uh, what's interesting about getting into your body is if you, especially if you're feeling anxious or um, worried or um, you feel like there's a lack of control around the situation that you're in. And there are certain kinds of people, especially if you're more biased towards being erotic where you can feel that. Whereas like 
get out of your head and get into your body because when you do that it pro- like because you're the sole reason for your your brain to exist to help navigate you through your environment so if you actually start to physically navigate your environment by doing exercise then it provides a sense of agency and it brings back that sense of control for yourself and then that helps to regulate any kind of negative emotions that you're experiencing and so for me building up that knowledge around the tools why they work how they work um, that emotional granularity awareness over the years and especially since like you know my mid-20s where I was talking about the core life crisis is like I'm starting to become a hell of a lot more aware that over time iterative process just compounds on itself and I feel like I've got a pretty good level of awareness but there's still I still feel really blind you know that whole idea of um you know the more you know the more you realize you don't know mm-hmm. is like that kind of like Dunning-Kruger effect thing is at the beginning you're like oh yeah this is amazing I'm an expert in this but you're not really you're thick as shit but you think you know a ton of stuff and then you start to realize the more you learn you don't know anything but then you get to a level where you're like okay I kind of know some stuff but I know there's a lot of stuff out there which I um which I don't have a handle on and I feel like that's kind of like the case with you know yourself as a human being as well as like I know what I know but through the experiences that I continue to um, get drawn towards, or I just continue to like, you know, day by day, the experience that I'm having, something can come up in there, which I wouldn't understand why or how, why I reacted the way that I react. And, um, and so there's, but there's, there's comfort in that for me as well, because it's like, okay, I've done a lot of work. I'm building out like, you know, the principles to operate from and, And then, so whatever, like, you know, a day throws at me, the next day throws at me, something random can happen. It's, it's just, it's a lesson, you know, it's, uh, it's something to, uh, something to like take in and extend your boundaries of uh, comfort with. And I kind of like that now. It's like, Mm -hmm. so something before where it'd be, you know, that could be kind of terrifying, but now it's like, Hey, okay, this has happened. um, And I'm going to pull myself away, just zoom out and I'm going to, see what I can learn from that situation and and also you know it's kind of knowing your limitations as well because for me I know like something can happen and I don't know how to deal with it so I go away and I try and pick apart what's happened but I know that I need to talk about it with somebody um, as well like you know just have somebody else to be to give you a different set of eyes on it as well because you're so in your own life you know you're so in the situation so I think um, I think over time I've definitely got better and better at um handling emotions, expressing emotions, like getting to grips with um, what they mean and not being afraid of them. Just, um, I, yeah, I don't really, yeah, I just, I guess I don't give a shit about um, what, uh, what, they, what they might come across as or rather, yeah, it's just like this level of confidence in like in, in this way of thinking is, you know, whatever my body is doing or whatever my brain is doing is correct. And if it's not serving me, then I need to change, change that behavior. So, so what I mean by that is, is like, even, even on the extremes is like, even if, uh, so emotionally speaking, you could be extremely depressed or you could be extremely anxious or, you know, it could be extremely elated. You could um, be manic, whatever it is, is uh, it's what's, what's kind of happening is, is like, it's the correct manifestation of, your current state, you know, whether it's state of mind, state of body, state of health, etc. But, and, and yeah, and so that applies to physical fitness as well. So 
so I kind of think of it as is like, okay, that's correct. But then I think, is that actually serving me? So it can be right, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's helpful. So I start to think is like, okay, well, if this thing is, it's the right way to react is the right way to behave because this is, this is what's, in, uh, this is like, I don't think the body or the, I don't think the mind is incorrect in doing that. But uh, if it's not helping me, then I need to figure out what I need to do to come away from that behavior pattern or that way of thinking and, uh, and then rebalance it so that there's a new correct, you know, there's a new, uh, a new way of approaching and a, a feeling or a, or, or a thing to do or, or, a, or a situation. I hope that kind of makes sense. It's kind of like, it's, it's a strange one where it's like the thing that you're saying, okay, is right, but you want to change it. Like, why would you change something that's right? It's like, okay, it's- um, By labeling something, you're already doing yourself a service. How do you mean? Uh, labeling what? If you label something as right, mm. it's like you've already given yourself the correct map of something without understanding that there yeah. could be a different right, or there could be a different yeah, sure. that could also be right. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I guess that's like, it's kind of what I'm trying to say, because it's like, um, it's not, it's, yeah, it's a weird, I don't know, because, you know, I'm just kind of exploring like the language around it as we go into the conversation, because it's like, it's one thing having an understanding of what you mean, but it's another thing to say it out loud and have it make sense. And, um, and so I can kind of feel like my brain's like, I'm going into new territory. Where are we going with this? Like, what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah, I'm stretching, I'm stretching. Yeah, that's it. And um, so it's just, yeah, it's kind of like at the limits of my capacity to be able to express it right now. But I guess it's like the idea that maybe it comes to the idea as well of like, you know, whatever happens, happens. It's just, it just is. And just is, is right. But if that is not serving, is that if that is not serving you, you can, you can, you can change that to, like you said, like a different right, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there's, yeah. I'm trying to figure out the best way of describing it, the best way of putting it. Wanna... It's, it's essentially, it's like, it is right, but it's whether it's useful. And if it's not useful, then change. Mm. I want to go, there's a few things that you've said um, that I want to go back and touch on. Um, and I'm going to say those three out first. I want, I want to go back to getting into your body. And I want to go back mm -hmm. into talking to others. And I want to go back to labeling your emotions. Um, mm. And I do think that that was a very important thing to realize is that I feel, again, I'm generalizing when I'm saying people, but in a, in a word, in a, not having a better word to say, um, mm. it feels like people might only feel like they have a few emotions and that they will categorize them as in positive, negative, and that kind of is what it is. And then you might have anger, sadness, happiness, and Fear. excitement or something, mm -hmm. you know, as in positives and negatives. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you fail to label it for what it actually is, because we know that when most people get angry, it's not because they're angry, they're frustrated, sad, hurt, in fear. Like a lot of the time, the blanket emotion is going to be anger. Mm -hmm. And I've been there, like I've been, a, I've been a pretty angry person. Uh, but it was never anger, it was everything else. Uh, and I do think that once you become good at 
acknowledging and being aware of the actual emotion by being super honest with yourself mm-hmm. you can start to break that down and not be so angry all the time right because if you can acknowledge hey, i am actually just fucking sad mm-hmm. i feel really lonely i think lonely loneliness is an emotion right, right. if we can go and to go i feel this then anger is kind of go away and i think that's and then when we communicate with others and it's it's one thing to communicate to yourself but then how do you communicate with others and i think that's where i my extreme fascination over the past few years have gone like communication with others because it's it's just it's so important right mm-hmm. i can see how many of my previous relationships have just failed due to poor communication Yeah. And I can see how poor communication has been the catalyst to a lot of hurt because you're unable to communicate what you feel and what you need and therefore mm-hmm. previous good patterns like well I will then throw a tantrum and get out you know you start you, you start using like old patternings it's because we lack the ability to communicate and maybe then label emotions like properly because if i would go like hey instead of being angry and be like wow you're a fucking dickhead <laughs> and this is it you know maybe i would go like you know i get really sad when when this happens because you know my insecurity is this then all of a sudden we can have a discussion rather than me just expressing my emotion i do think that we should ex- express our emotions and I used to express my emotion really like that, you know, scream at you what I felt. Uh, <laughs> or I would I would probably want be more like you made me feel this, which is not mm. at all, you know, I've learned over the years that no one can make you feel shit. You make your own emotions, you have to deal with them. Um So yeah. I think um yeah, I think you said that's where labeling helps, right? Yeah. So because that's yeah, that's like idea of emotional granularity again is like the more granular you can make the understanding of your emotions i instead of it being broadly i am sad it's like okay no but let's narrow it down a little bit more is like that's pretty broad that a broad emotion is like well what can you bring it down to is like i feel you know you can use like morose or i feel lonely is is another one is like okay sadness to a lot of people that loneliness can look like sadness to a lot of people but actually when you narrow it down it's like you're not just sad you're lonely it's like okay well what can i do about being lonely oh, right. i can go and try and make some relationships i can go and try and make some friends is that all of a sudden i don't experience that broad category of sadness anymore because i've nailed it down to what it actually is and therefore you know in that sense that labeling actually helps so that you can you can make a change yeah yeah and then to bring it into like the whole body body thing and i think genuinely I, i i say this all the time but i thank my younger self for deciding to start training yeah. um because i think i was a i was maybe an angry child angryish i was an angry happy child i was both um, that's where your name comes from <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i was anger um but it it's the moment where you get into your body you a you can release a lot it's an output right you you get to whatever emotion it is right it does it's not just negative emotions even though obviously the negative emotions we need to get out because then we 
we don't have them in our body still uh, but even going for a walk you know if you've had an argument with someone you just go for a walk and you just you're in motion it's energy you're in motion and you just you can process things in a whole different way when you're in motion um yeah without the distraction of music or a podcast or in your ears or anything like that it's actually being able to focus on not not focus is just not necessarily focus it's just let yourself go for a walk without having anything uh playing in your head and like there's you know there's some there's like some interesting neuroscience around that as well as like the stuff i've learned from like Lisa Feldman Barrett and then this other neuroscientist Andrew Huberman as well I don't know if you follow him on Instagram but He's, he's just putting out a lot of good information out there as well. It's just essentially like, you know, what we, the, the, the threat detection center of the brain, that amygdala is, um, you know, people commonly associate it with, okay, this is where fear originates. It's like, that's not necessarily true, but essentially um, when you're creating move, when you're moving and that kind of that optic flow is what it's called. It's like when you have objects going past your line of sight, because you're moving, that helps calm down that threat detection center that amygdala so what you're by physically by physically moving but the interesting thing is it's not actually connected to the movements of your body is connected to what your eyes are doing and the interesting thing ex extends out from that as well is like okay well you can think about how else could i achieve the optic flow i could sit on a train or i could uh, drive a car and experience the optic flow it's like no actually it has to be done through movement so if you actually want to calm that anger down and like, you know, turn, tone down that kind of threat detection and you want to turn down the anxiety, and then you go for a walk. You actually create that flow for yourself. So like cycling, walking, running, et cetera, is, um, is a great way to actually help you just relax, uh, relax the centers, which are associated with that kind of high negative feeling. Yeah. I mean, I've gone on many angry walks and by the end you're <laughs> yeah. just like, ah, I feel good now. <laughs> yeah amazing there you go it's you an action you started off on a high 10 out of 10 anger and then all of a sudden you were mellow and then you kind of semi-happy it's like actually i can see things clearer now and my anger doesn't cloud my judgment and now i feel like mm. i can express myself again right yes so yeah, yeah. it's fantastic i love a good anger yeah. walk you know yeah <laughs> trademark that as well anger walk yeah. <laughs> exactly this is like a new therapy yeah um yeah, but I mean, even today, and I go back to the third thing there, like I still, I have a coach, which <laughs> when I signed up with this company, I thought it would be more for my business. And I see how it's benefiting my business <laughs> because I do think that your internal shit yeah. shows up in how you run a business and how you run a relationship and how you run anything, right? So I am really happy about this investment. And, it, and even though I thought it would be more systems and, you know, I... I'm, I'm getting so much out of it and you know when you talk to someone and sometimes you only want to hear like yeah that really sucks and that person shouldn't have done that you know but then you go and you walk yeah. out of that session and you go like ah oh. <laughs> and now I have to feel like everything makes sense and everything has meaning yeah. and now I don't feel bad about this person what that person has done anymore because I can see it in a whole different angle and I love yeah. it. it. It happens almost every time. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, so what's been going on? And I'm like, yeah, you know, my dog died and I was a little bit unhappy with my dad. And so we just talk about it. And all of a sudden I just have this like compassion thing for my dad. And I'm like, yeah, that's mm. good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I really think 
it never and the thing is it never ends the emotional work it just never mm. ever and I, I do think that that's what people might expect it's like mm. if I work on myself now really hard for 12 weeks with a coach then I'm good it's like no yeah your shit is always going to come up yeah always it's just how you just get better and better and better at dealing with it yeah uh, keep at the end of the day it's like that's a, this is kind of impossible it's like you just can't you can't think that anything is ever like finitely solved because at the end of the day you're moving through different phases of life all the time you know it's like as you're getting older it's like you might get married you might have then you might have kids and then they'll get older and then they'll have kids and you've got grandkids all of a sudden it's like you are a different kind of person throughout mm. your own journey so you can't expect to ever have like uh, ever it be solved you know, oh. in that sense it's like you just have better I'm talking about systems it's like you do just have better systems in place to help you to help you handle handle your life and it's like repetitions in anything you just get better and better and better and i actually want to bring now i think it's the perfect time to bring it in uh because mm. before i press record i was like what are we going to talk about today and i think we've talked <laughs> for quite some time now so i feel like mm. we've had mission accomplished already but you know how i talked yeah. about um expectations on friendships right mm. and yeah. i already feel by having um, this conversation i feel a little bit clearer in my head um but just to tell the listeners so it was my birthday yesterday and you know the the thing I wanted to talk about was can we have expectations on our friends or any relationship really but where do we pull these lines of expectation and and where do we feel like this is just a good friend. This is a really good friend. This is an acquaintance. This person, I don't really give a fuck. I'm just going to have this whenever we meet at a party, we say hi. Um, and so it was my birthday. And then one of my really good friends, he didn't wish me happy birthday. And it sounds like such a small thing, right? And really, I know how petty it sounds. And in hindsight, like, I, do I care too much? No, but I also do know how happy other people get when you say happy birthday. I know how little it takes to make someone happy. Because I, I, I get genuinely crazy happy when someone yeah. reaches out and like, and, and strangers do, right? So it's that thing of like, yeah. so why do strangers reach out, but then friends do not. And I know yeah. why the friend wouldn't because he wouldn't have a clue, he forgot, right? So <laughs> it's the benefit of the doubt, right? But then the emotion still comes of a slight disappointment or maybe I'm not loved because maybe that's my, my, my ground fear is, is like a fear of not being loved. Um, mm. And yeah, I don't know where, where I even want to go with this, but I know of course that a happy birthday doesn't define a good friendship. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, so I still don't really know yeah, I think you're unraveling some cool stuff there as well. As I feel like, yeah, as you're going along, the more the more you're the more you're talking, the more you're unraveling um, mm. some some things. Um, yeah, again, this would be interesting to explore as well. So essentially, I guess the question is, what expectations can you have on a particular person to define what a good friend is? And but there are no rules. Yeah, you, yes, if we're trying to put rules, it's they're always going to be broken and then you just don't have any friends because no one can be perfect all the time. 
Uh, yeah, well, there's well, there's reasonable rules, and then there's like in uh, unrealistic rules as well. It's like you know, you're <laughs> I don't know, like um, I feel like I think it's reasonable to have some tenets in place. Uh, like, okay, you can have some expectations of uh, what you'd expect from friends, like you know, loyalty and reliability, for example. It's like if somebody is like. Uh, Okay, cool. Have you seen the film Vanilla Sky? Tom Cruise, Penelope Cruise. I do not yeah. remember it. I think I did, but it's what mm. twenty years old. No, but it's very. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's crazy. It's like yes, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous how old that movie is now. It's like two thousand and one. But uh, but essentially, like Tom Cruise plays like he's he's um he's like you know he's a charming dude, bit of a um he's 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 inherited a company and he's also um yeah a bit of a playboy as well, right? So he ends up. Like one of the things that happens at the beginning of the movie is, is basically he steals his mate's uh, like infatuation. He meets this girl, he brings her to the party, and then he ends up stealing it. It's like to me, that's like that's just not a good friend. It tells you, you know, he's a bit of a snake, right? But uh, he's so charming that he can pull it off, and his mate is like, "Yeah, you're still my mate." And uh, uh, but to me, I'll be like, "Right, okay, well, I can't trust you with something that could be as potentially as meaningful as this, then, you know, I can't, I can't trust you with anything really. So there's, um, there's that aspect. So you see that kind of behavior in action, then you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to keep tabs on that because um, that can, that's quite telling. And, uh, but then you've got somebody like, but then you can have, like, for example, using the birthday thing as an example, like my, like my closest cousins, for example, like they will never remember, like, my like some of them won't ever remember my birthday or my brother's birthday and um but like we don't really care because it's like we just know that that's what that's what happens right that's kind of a given and um and uh, but yeah like they're they're our closest essentially our closest family that we have around here so it's um uh but yeah so then it's like you know, does that change how much we trust them how like their reliability or like, you know, the loyalty, all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, it doesn't. So there's the kind of um, uh, like, I think a lot of it can be the understanding that other person's behavior, like who they are, what they're like. And then you can be like, okay, I have, I can, I can, I can, I've got a model of what to expect from this person, like based on repeated action. Then if this is the case, like how close or far do I want them to be in my life like what kind of relationship do I want to have with them and um and then it's also interesting because some things about them can be just so magnetic or like you know you want to keep them close because like they're amazing at this like at this thing that I really love and I really um value and I really need but they're awful at this other thing as well it's like ah, it's like you keep them real close but you have to then expect that you're going to get burned a few times as well and then the question is is like you know you're, you're you're putting yourself through that right you know what's going on here but um how you define that friendship is like, okay i'm keeping this person close but i know that i can get burned on a few instances like that's complete i mean it's always completely on you it's like what you said earlier is like you are the person who's in control but uh but then in a way it's like you shouldn't ever really be upset you know you know what i mean it's like you shouldn't ever really be worried about that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because then you get the extent of like uh, you meet somebody and you're just like, shit, I really hit it off with this person. They were like, you know, we had a lot of good time. We talked a lot about this stuff, open-minded in a similar sort of way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then 
you like you become best friends in weeks <laughs> it's like that thing that kind of thing can happen even though you don't know a great deal about them you don't know a great deal about the past you don't have a sense of what their um what their values are to the degree that you know you can place faith in this person to not you know do something bad against you where it destroys that relationship but you have that you know kind of initial infatuation for example and mm -hmm. uh, and like you know in a plutonic relationship as well as a romantic relationship so um yeah it's just fascinating that's it's it's an interesting thing to delve into it's like i'm just yeah thinking of things as they come as they come up and like based on some of the things you're saying and you know what i like what i what i think and then i guess what i think are based off of that and i guess ultimately where i fall with it is is however you feel about the relationship is always on you is like that it just doesn't matter what the other person does is because you know you gave them permission you let them in in whatever capacity you decided to and that doesn't mean you can't feel like shit if something terrible happens in that relationship but it's like knowing that is kind of like a bit of peace and you're like okay well i can i can i can move on a lot quicker and that's i think that's partly why you know some people with like long-term relationships could be dating for like six years or something and then you know they break up and then one of them's like still wallowing in pity and four months later the other person's in a relationship like how the fuck did that happen like why did that happen they're so disrespectful it's like nah they were just at a place where they probably just accepted what was going on and uh, moved on quicker questions about <laughs> about that? relationships <laughs> um we can probably discuss that i mean i think people will either go into one or two categories there. They will stay and they will reflect and feel the pain and learn the learnings. And some people will suppress and just go into another relationship. Hmm. Or they were really lucky. And sometimes that perfect match just happened to be two weeks later. I mean, yeah. I look at my, one of my ex-boyfriends, he and I broke up and 13 months after we broke up, he had a son. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> talk about consolidating that new relationship yeah, which means he was pretty quick to find a new girlfriend but they're still together yeah. and they're getting married and they're they have wow. a beautiful son so wow. you know things sometimes are they work out that way as well of course it was i think painful to feel like that it, you you feel dispensable right it's right, a yeah. it's a feeling exactly um it's but, like, and like, you know, it's like, it's kind of ego, egotistical, but it's like, well, the ego exists for a reason. So we have to still appease it as well. You know, we have to learn how to deal with, uh, deal with the ego in those scenarios yeah. too. But I think for me, at least in that relationship, because, you know, when you know you're not going to be together, why not be happy for the other? Like, I'm so happy for all of my ex-boyfriends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have contact with all of my ex-boyfriends except from the one from when I was 19 the guy who really broke my heart uh but I'm I have contacts with all of my ex-boyfriends some mm. of them I, I would say we're actually good friends uh and some maybe we're just a bit like every now and then um but I just find it really interesting why wouldn't you be happy for someone that you loved right why wouldn't right. you be happy yeah. for someone that you loved so crazy right um yeah. I guess but, you know people's perception of the betrayal can be too much to to bear the reconciliation. Yeah, and I do think, you know, it, just, it really depends on the, the nature of the relationship and the nature of the breakup, right? But mm. yeah, no, at least in my eyes, like why, why not be happy for people? Um, you can still be hurt and happy, I think. 
-hmm. that's right like you can still be hurt and happy and yeah. i think that's important to realize that you can have more than one emotion um yeah. i want to go back because i got so much revelations out of this <laughs> okay cool nice <laughs> here's my conclusions then about the her happy birthday wishes yeah okay uh, let's hear it never forget my birthday again <laughs> <laughs> you dick <laughs> no you know what i think back to a it wasn't that it was the tip of the thing right it's like actually maybe i've been feeling a disconnect for a while and i don't know why and this just put it in under like the the scope of like what do you call it the microscope yeah the microscopic view and all of a sudden you feel you feel it intense but and or it's kind of like the moment where you then have to actually accept it. Oh, I felt this way all the time. Now what do I do with it? Um, mm. So, yeah. And I think that's, again, it's the responsibilities with me because I'm the one feeling this thing. And I think one of the most important things that I've ever learned was it's only the story you tell yourself. Mm. Right. Yeah. And if I sometimes go to the problem, which is my problem, and then I communicate my problem, my story, which isn't even a problem. It's my story of something to mm. the person. Then we realize that, oh, we, there was never a problem. Or, oh, I'm sorry that you felt that way. Or, oh, so we can have a discussion about the emotions and then go like, mm -hmm. none of us actually wanted us to be this way. Or actually, there was no problem to start with. So I do think, mm. you know, that... that and bring it back to the emotion. Emotions are just feedback. Yes. Like the thing that you feel in the moment, it's just feedback. Mm. And it's feedback based on not just present time. Most of the time, it's not like the present time. It's feedback mm. from something that comes forward in the present moment because it's triggering mm. you. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Emotions, yeah. I think, are triggered. Um, mm. Well, they're... Um... Yeah, there. Well, yes, and what how to put it? Because we're actually experiencing some sort of feeling all the time, right? So it's not like it's uh, we cannot dissociate from that in the sense, in terms of our experience. There is it's just like uh, it's just kind of how the brain works. It's like it's a network, right? So it's always pulling from the so-called logical center to the um, even the movement center to the emotional center or whatever it is like it's difficult to you can't like pinpoint it down that okay i'm just emotional and i'm just logical it's like it's never the case it's always your your decisions are informed by your emotions as well like on a moment-to-moment -moment basis um then maybe it comes down to like yeah it's like where are you yeah what are you focused on i guess it's like if stuff is like constantly in the past that you're bringing forward then you know the, yeah, that's clearly going to have that's clearly going to have an effect on you because thoughts are involved in it's essentially it's like you know it's like perceptions sensations perceptions thoughts feelings actions and all of those things influence our experience of the world right all collectively and combined in various various degrees so thinking about the past and if it's producing a particular emotion right now then then that's just that's suggesting that there's something that's in the past that hasn't been dealt with right so then there's something to 
something to work on there. And then conversely, if it's something that's in the future that you're constantly thinking about and that's changing your emotional makeup right now, then it's like, okay, well, I need to plan out my future or I need to figure out something about what's happening there so that I can have a better experience of life now. And then there's, you know, taking yourself out of either of those two and trying to be as present as possible, which is actually a lot harder than, uh, than is, is given credit for sometimes. But uh, it's like, you know, just be present, just be in the now. It's like, yeah, that's fucking difficult. Cause I got, I'm thinking about a bunch of shit, you know, I was like, I got this to do for work tomorrow. And then like, somebody said this to me the other day and I'm like, what does it mean? It's like, no, there's, uh, so there's tools that you can implement to help bring you back into the present moment. When you do that and then you check in with yourself and you're like, actually in this present moment right now like i'm kind of i'm okay you know it's like what is my emotion what is my emotion telling me and so i think um yeah just what you said about that's why it made me think about speaking about like you know bringing the past forward it's a feed like the emotion right now is something that's from the past is like if that's what's going on then there's something to deal with is is my is my thinking around that does that mm. make sense yeah hundred percent. Um, and I mean, this is again, <laughs> when I sit down with my coach, there's always mm. like, Nana, this is not the problem. Your problem is like yeah. when you were three years old, I'm like, fuck's sake, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> save that child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Bring that child out. Yeah. So, but even there, if we go back to the whole thing about compassion and self-compassion, you know, if you understand that everything that you experience is based off history and things that have been taught and given to you in time, then feeling bad about how you're feeling, it's not going to help you because if you can be like, mm. it's okay to feel this way because mm -hmm. I was programmed to have these emotions. Yeah. And I know and this is work on yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm, I think like, you know, that's one of the things I was alluding to when I was saying like what you're experiencing is right, is correct. It's because that is the way that has built up to for that moment. Mm. But then also you can go back and give it a different meaning. Cause if you change the yeah. meaning, you change the story and yeah. your experience is your story. Mm, so, exactly. I mean, everyone will have some fair share of traumatic experiences in their life and mm. I mean, again, if you go back and you read some of that things on my birthday list, um, you might be surprised that I'm quite a happy person because right. th there's been a lot of shit happening in my life. Um, but I, and I don't know how it happened. I never, this never, I never went to like therapy for any of it, but I decided that all the shit that happened made me strong, made me fierce, mm -hmm. made me know what I wanted, maybe know what I didn't want. Um, and I changed then the meaning of it. And all of a sudden it became a very significant event in my life. Didn't disturb any of it. I didn't, it, I didn't create that for myself, but it happened. And I can, instead of, instead of feeling shit about it and feel like, oh, poor me, I'm a victim, blah, 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 poor, doesn't help me today. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to use it. I'll reframe it for something else. Right. Mm. And all of a sudden, as horrible as it can sound, things become gifts. Yeah. Your worst moments are beautiful gifts because they help you grow. They really do. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm going to say after that. <laughs> yeah. It's like growth. And it's like, um, uh, yeah, like for me, I've been thinking about growth to the extent where it's like, you know, we always say it's like, oh, you know, this thing helps you grow. This is good for your growth. But it's like, 
it's not growth for the sake of growth. You know, it's, it's always, it's attached to something more meaningful than that. It's like, cause it's kind of, yeah, is that, yeah, that kind of, it, I was wondering why it kind of bothered me in a way, which was like, you know, why, like, you know, why we were talking about it's for your growth. It's like, this is important for your growth. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> like growth, there's, there comes a time like, like for example, just take an extreme example. It's like as a physical person, as a human being, if I keep growing, then I'm going to grow to an extent which is impossible to live a, <laughs> a impossible to live a life. Right? It's like I could be so big that uh, my organs are just like I can't handle you being alive, and yeah. this is no good now. So just as an analogy, is like, but what is the purpose of that growth? Right? Is is where I'm getting at with it. It's not that it's um, it shouldn't like something shouldn't be just for the sake of growth. Something should be for the sake of fulfilling a potential that you have that you that you're trying to that you're trying to go for i think is where i'm getting at it because everything like could be if it's not directed it can still be growth but it's not directed at anything specifically is um but so but when it comes down to actually placing meaning on that growth it's like i'm gonna go through this it's gonna be tricky but it's gonna be good for my growth because this this and this reason i think that's um i think maybe that's i think that's important because it's uh, it gets lost then if, it, if for me i feel like it gets lost if it's just like you know it's about growth it's like no it's not just about growth it's about something more than that yeah i agree what, what, what do you, yeah okay i was gonna say what do you think he's like i agree done <laughs> yeah period um yeah yeah growth is it's yeah sometimes it's hard to use find a word for what you try to describe as well mm. i really feel yeah. like sometimes there are no words that are appropriate for yeah. an experience or a thought, uh, even an emotion. Sometimes I feel like there's not the vocabulary is not it's not full enough, um, which I find super interesting. By the way, um, yeah, fully like language like, and stuff. It's yeah, you know, exactly. That's I, what I was about to say. I genuinely like, feel yeah. I hate speaking in Swedish. Mm. hate is a strong word right but you know what I mean um I, yeah, you wear your emotions on your sleeve <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um but I feel like Swedish has a shorter vocabulary than English so oftentimes I struggle to express myself sufficiently and appropriately like or effectively in Swedish mm. and I lack the word I need to express myself Yes. Uh, which becomes then a frustration because there's no way around not then you try to describe what you try to describe or you try to describe the word that you need to describe something mm -hmm. and it still doesn't feel right and there's so much in the Swedish vocabulary that I feel that way about uh, English yes. is way better it's a it's a way more gradient language mm. I love yes. speaking English I love it yeah. I love English <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I didn't used to love it. I was so shy when I left Sweden when I was 19. Man, I struggled to speak. Not that I did. I had a good grade in, in English. I could could speak, but I had a, a, my grammar was not always perfect. It's still not perfect. I know, but now I just don't give, I don't give a fuck. Like, mm. I know that I say really weird things and they're not accurate, but I really don't care. And I guess I've accepted that the issue used to be, and I think this is where most most people feel, is that you become judged 
based it's like your IQ is judged based on your language that's how I felt mm. like my IQ right. and me being accepted as a clever and smart woman uh, was compromised by having English as my second language which I know to the listener now it's a very ridiculous thing because my English is pretty good um, and it was pretty good back in the day as well it had, I had a bit more of an accent and then after I spent a few months in Hollywood it was so <laughs> it was so LA <laughs> I was totally stoked <laughs> it was so funny it was it was really it's it was the, sh the shittest accent so I'm glad I moved to London because I think it's a really nice accent um uh, even though if people people can't always place me and they say oh you're from Ireland I'm like no <laughs> never been <laughs> Yeah. I get to hear that yeah. I'm from Ireland so many times. Are those English people asking you that? Yeah. Okay. They're, um, yeah, I'm going to say it. they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Londoners as well. <laughs> but Londoners is really different because that can, that can be in like a variety of, you know? like, that can be a variety of like nationalities. So it's like, I can understand if somebody from a different country lives in London and says, oh, you sound like, I used to be like, yeah, yeah, bruv, in it. I used to literally yeah. <laughs> do the East London accents because I loved it. Uh, yeah. I left that behind at some point when I tried to be more professional. Yeah. It's like, yeah, kind of. That's funny. That's to bring back some memories as well. It's like when, when, uh, when, yeah, colloquial terms were invented at school and it's just like, did anybody else say that? And then there's certain things that we said at school that nobody else said. So that was interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, language is an interesting one. Um, definitely, I'm like picking up on what you're saying because the, and that again, that like that labeling, that ability to label something that's helpful to express yourself, right? And you couldn't do it. So it was like, I'm getting this agitation, you know, uh, from not being able to express it. But if I pick English to speak and I can express it and then I'm able to be at one with that, uh, with that feeling. And, um, but also English has its limitations as well because we can't express certain things that um, like other, other, other cultures can with particular words that they have. Because again, generically, we have happy and sad, but um, that kind of, I think it's in Dutch, like gazellic. Apparently that's a word that means the, the kind of feeling that you have when you're hanging around with friends around a fire and drinking some wine, you know, it's like- it's one word. Yeah, and it's like one word, or it's like that. Essentially, that kind of experience is is one word, and we that's a different thing to being happy. Like, in it. Right. We have logom. Okay. Which is basically kind of just right. It's not too much. Mm. It's not too little. It's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Just that it's logom. It's like yeah, mm. logom. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there you go. So that's you know, there's value in learning different languages as well for that reason. Is like you can actually express yourself a bit more completely. And then you because, have fika. Uh, Sorry, now just have you heard of fika? Fika. It's like having a coffee break, but it also requires or usually comes with having a bit of a, a like a cookie or something. And then everyone in Sweden can go on like fika rast, kind of almost whenever they need to. <laughs> <And> <laughs> So it's, I'm taking fika right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going for fika. Does anyone want to come? It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, see you there in five. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah, if exactly. I were going on dates, right, it would be like, we go for a fika. Okay. I don't want to take you out to a club or a bar or like a restaurant. I don't want yeah. that's maybe date two, but I can do a yeah. walk or a fika, you know, because that's yeah, safe. Right. Yeah, yeah, cool. So we, so we would say, let's go grab a coffee. And you would just say, fika. 
Yeah, because it doesn't have to be coffee. It could be whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, coffee has just kind of become like that uh, catch-all. And then you go like, oh, oh, I want coffee. It's like, oh, but we can have a tea. It's like, then you have to have that yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it, exactly. It's like, um, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just pick something else on the menu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. But it's, uh, yeah, so it's like kind of like that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good to know. Was it Lagum? It's like Lagum. just right. Lagum. Just right. I would say just yeah. about right. Just about, just about right. Cool. Just that perfect level. Yeah, it's interesting. And, um, you know, different cultures have different, uh, um, uh, yeah, different expressions as well as to describe different things. Whereas we can't capture them in a word or in a phrase. It's like we'd have to really flesh it out and expand it out and be like, you know that? And, and you're like, you know that feeling when, and then you're almost got it, but then there's something in another language which it catches it and you get it and you're like, yes, that's what I'm going for. And yeah. so you're able to express it a bit more completely. Um, so that's always, yeah, that's always interesting. But I think that's like, the you know, how... thing about being bilingual. Mm. Is I guess you speak, do you speak, what do you speak, Hindu or do, what do you speak? Like, well, not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Punjabi was, uh, yeah, Punjabi yeah. was uh, like my native language, but like I'm like kind of conversational in it. It's, it's one of those where if I'm around family who's only speaking Punjabi, I like within a week, my comprehension improves by 100%, but it just rarely happens, right? Yeah. 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 Do you speak any other languages? No. No. You're, like, you're a typical Brit then. Yeah, exactly. Who needs it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, uh, I, well, I learned German at school and I enjoyed that for a bit. And then, uh, yeah, so I still remember bits and pieces of German, but it's like, no, there's nothing else. There's nothing else going on. Do you ever consider taking it up? Or like, does it interest you? Yeah, language does. But I think in terms of like, you know, on the hierarchy of things that are important right now is like, it's just not there. It's like, once it becomes important, it'll be it'd like, figure out what do I actually want to learn? What would be interesting to learn? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. You, you got another language you want to do? Well, I studied Spanish for five years and mm. my understanding of it is still pretty decent. Mm. Um, but to speak it is obviously it's a, it's, it's a struggle, but I think that comes back to the same feeling of when I didn't want to speak English of, mm. I feel like I lack the, well, grammar in, in Spanish is just completely fucked up anyway, but <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, so it's like the fear of being wrong and then saying the wrong word. But it was a that was a beautiful thing. When I went to Cuba, maybe f four years ago, um, I I went and didn't realize that like they literally don't speak English. Uh, so mm. I had to dust it off pretty quickly. Uh, right. And I remember, I mean, it got a lot better only because I was only there for about two weeks, but it really improved across the, the, the each day was like, woo, 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 woo. Um, and uh, yeah, but in the beginning, you, it was super rusty. Hmm. You know, when you like, you feel like it's in there because I've studied so much of it. And I also traveled South America back in the day. And as, as I was in Spain quite a lot when I was a child. You feel like it's in there and you know it's in there. Like, like hmm. the information you have because you studied it and it's all layered in there. It's like, how do I access it? <laughs> the frustration, like, I know this, but I just don't know it. it, it, yeah. it that, that sensation was also super strange to like, mm -hmm. but I know I know this. 
why is it not coming out? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, it was really fascinating. I love when yeah. you just get pulled into a situation. It's like, uh, and you feel like you have it, but you don't have it. I love yes. that feeling. It's so frustrating. And then all of a sudden, yeah. just like, ah, and now I'm like, bonjour. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I have French in there as well, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so that came out first. So like, what? What? in cuba <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah it's funny yeah it is um, yeah i mean any parting words for this time i think we're probably going to have so many more conversations in the future but hmm. how do you feel about your emotions right now <laughs> feel feel pretty good positive positive valence <laughs> along with a along with a yeah yeah, let's leave it at that. Yeah. Positive valence, kind of that balance between being high aroused and low arousal, and just in that, in that good good spot. I mean, any arousal is a good arousal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good note to leave it on. Yeah, stay aroused, people. 